Welcome to Middle Grade Mavens, where two author mums discuss their favourite middle grade books, provide recommendations and share insider industry tips for authors trying their hand at middle grade. Julianne Grasso is the author of the Frankie DuPont mystery series, cupcake enthusiast and part-time children's literacy wrangler. Pamela Eucherman is a writer, web designer and creative dance teacher who sometimes finds time for sleep. Both Julie and Pamela devour middle grade books, not only for research, but to share with their combined brood of four munchkins. Hi, Pamela, and welcome back to Middle Grade Mavens. Hi, Julie. Our 11th episode. (laughs) Now, Pamela has got some news. Ah, yes. Well, Julie and I have been watching with slight green eyes at lots of our friends who are at a conference this weekend in Sydney and we're in Melbourne, so it's just a little bit far and expensive for us. Um, Yes. But to make me feel better, I won a small competition this weekend through the Buzzwords magazine, which is lovely. It was um, just... Uh, the first page of a book. Uh, I think it's the first page of a novel. Um, And so I was selected as the winner and my book was a fantasy, which I'm working on at the moment. If I could um, add in, you know, those clapping sounds, the canned clapping, I would do that. (laughs) So enter canned clapping here. (laughs) Well, that's exciting because, I mean, every little breadcrumb in the book industry gives you hope. So, Oh, it's it's lovely. It's just nice to, you know, to know that someone is giving you encouragement and has liked your writing and it just kind of boosts you up on those days, especially, you know, writing is can be quite a lonely thing and when you when you're not published yet you do a lot of sending things out and waiting for rejections yes um, so those little bits i just spur you on that little bit more yes yeah big cheers for Maeve and pamela yay thank you so tell us what is the title of today's book uh-huh today i am reviewing the stupendously spectacular spelling bee by deborah abela published by Random House Australia in 2016. And this is the first book in the Spectacular Spelling Bee series. And there's a lot of alliteration there. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if Deborah, um, you know, trips over all that alliteration when she's doing her school visits. Oh, I can tell you I would sound like I've got a lisp. (laughs) (laughs) So would you share the jacket blurb with us? Yes. India Wimple can spell brilliantly. Every Friday night, she and her family watch the stupendously spectacular spelling bee. When the Wimples suggest she enter the next bee, India says she's not good enough, but her family won't hear it and encourage her to sign up. There are plenty of obstacles to reaching the finals. Something in India's past has made her terribly shy, and moving on to each round involves finding the money to make it happen. And finally, there's Summer Millicent Ernestine Beauregard Champion, a spoilt rich girl who is determined to win and isn't afraid to step on anyone who gets in her way. Ooh, a bit of mean girl meets yeah. spelling bee. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> I love that uh, name. So what genre would you class this as? Ah, this is another contemporary fiction. I'm getting an inkling that Maven Pamela actually is drawn to contemporary fiction. No, I wouldn't say that. I would no? Not. Not, I wouldn't say I'm drawn. I like a good contemporary fiction, but um, 
I wouldn't choose it just because of its genre. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Whereas I don't choose contemporary fiction hardly ever. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I think the topic of this one kind of drew me more than, the, you know, the genre, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But in saying that, um, Giselle, my seven-year-old, is completely drawn to contemporary fiction. So oh, well, there do, you go. I do have to read quite a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, then my older son, he's eight, and he only reads fantasy, basically fantasy or humour. So, yeah. Yes. He, we would get on very well. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the estimated word count? Uh, it's a lovely short book for middle grade. Uh, it's around 30,000 words at a guess. Oh, Julie's mm. heart may sing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so what drew you to this book? Uh-huh, as I hinted at, <laughs> I'm a word nerd, so what can I say? <laughs> Yay. You know, I was intrigued by the concept of a spelling bee and just thought it might be a lot of fun. Oh, so tell us about it. This is a real feel-good book um, centred around India Wimple and her journey from a small town to the spin- spe- you know the spelling bee that big spelling bee yes we're gonna have to send deborah a note (laughs) sorry we couldn't say the title (laughs) (laughs) if i was eight it'd probably be better anyway um the stupendously spectacular spelling bee which is a tv game show filmed in sydney india is a great speller but she's understandably very nervous about getting up in front of people but she has the support of her family and the ability to go far Oh, a little bit of coming of age as well. Yeah, yeah oh, it's, oh. you know, getting over your fears and standing up to people and, yeah. Oh, I think I actually love this. Yeah, oh, yeah it's a real nice book. It's a, it is a feel-good feel book, it really is, yeah. So what was your overall enjoyment? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. it. I felt like it was a child's adventure done right. I mean, it wasn't a real adventure, but, you know, um, and there were obstacles along the way, but India's family were wonderfully supportive and just quirky enough to avoid it being too soppy. Mm-hmm. And I also thought it in, um, included enough about individual words that India is learning to be appealing to word lovers, but not so much as to put off those wanting to just enjoy a good story. Oh, yeah. I, just, I loved the way Deborah wrote the family. They were just lovely. You know, I, I think I mentioned on a previous episode that I really don't like it when you've got these kind of, you know, horrible dynamics in a family. I mean, I know it happens in real life, but it's not pleasant when you're reading it in a book. And um, yeah. India's family, are, yeah, they were lovely and supportive, but also quirky. And, you know, there's some humour in there as well, from her, particularly from her grandmother. <laughs> oh, and especially if you're reading it aloud to your kids, it's sort of, oh, yeah. it's awkward when the family's horrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So who would love this book? What age would you recommend this for? Um, this is a great book for lower middle grade readers. Um, so I say around the ages of seven to ten. I think we need to get a hold of this, and I know there's a couple more mm. already. So there is one more. Um, I think there might be another one in the works. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a good one. It's a good one. So, uh, do you think reluctant readers would enjoy this? Yeah, it's a fun, easy read, and <clears throat> can also boost the reader's vocabulary with all these new new spelling words. But um. Yeah, I think it's probably more for reluctant girls than boys. That's probably not something that boys are going to love, but, yep. you know, yep. never say never. Yeah. Oh, let's tick some boxes and get get that down to our house soon, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. There's my review for episode 11. And so, Julie, what will you be reviewing today? 
So today I'm going to review Max Booth Future Sleuth, which is also a bit of a tongue tie. Um, and this one is Tape Escape, and it's by Cameron McIntosh, published by Big Sky Publishing in 2018. Now, this is actually the first in the Max Booth series. There are three in the series so far, the other two being Stamp Safari and Selfie Search. And um, we, I think we actually read one of them um, in a blog tour. So that's how we kind of knew about it. Right. right. So would you care to share the jacket blurb with us? Yes. It's 24-24. Max and his robo-dog sidekick Oscar are out to solve another techno-history mystery. They've been asked to identify an, an object that's been baffling everyone, a 1980s cassette tape. But there's more to the tape than meets the eye or ears. When devious Dr. Grislow tries to take credit for the tape's rock-tastic recordings, Max and Oscar know they're going to need all their future sleuth skills to put things right. Oh, this sounds like it's right up your alley. Oh, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Bit of mystery, 1980s cassette tape. Yes, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> what genre would you classify this as? Yeah, this is definitely a lower middle grade sci-fi mystery with dystopian elements. Oh, my gosh. How perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, does it meet Julie's um, word count Ooh. limits? Oh, drum roll, please. Oh. <laughs> I'd say this is about 15K. Um, oh, wow. Mm. Yes. And to put it in context, many publishers state their word count for middle grade begins at 30K and can be em- anything from 30 to 50K with the exception, exception of some being well over this. Now, Maeve and Julie would desperately like to challenge each and every every publisher on this premise. Not only do I believe there should be books much lower than 50K as the upper limit, um, I also believe that the lower limit is too high. Mm. Hmm. Yes, I've put it out there. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing is, we have kids coming out of reading, you know, um, the Zach Power series, the D-Bot Squad, the bad guys, um, and I guess they're classed as junior fiction um, and their word counts are generally below 20K. Um, then you have things like the Treehouse series and, you know, the Andos. All of those are, you know, sort of between 20 and 30. And all of a sudden in middle grade, we can spiral dangerously past 50K in many cases. Yeah. Now, I'm being a total and an utter drama queen, I realise. <laughs> Um, but hear me out. So I'm not a teacher librarian. I'm not an expert in children's literature, but I am a parent of a child with an almost middle grade um, reader. And I constantly get other parents asking me for recommendation, recommendations for short books. Um, and I think I should add that um, I was not a reader as a child. Um, I was very reluctant um, I did not pick up books until, until my very late teens and it wasn't until my dad sort of, you know, he encouraged me after I read a Barbara Cartland novel and oh Maeve and Pamela's <laughs> probably going, what the <laughs> heck is that? Um, oh no. So they were, she, she's long passed from this world now, but Barbara Cartland wrote historic romance novels, um, well into her nineties. She was incredibly prolific. 
Um, they were sort of fairly chaste, but I don't know what it was, but they caught my attention. So dad then went off to the op shop and found a box of these and I started reading. So, I mean, you just never know what is going to get a reluctant reader reading. And yeah. as a reformed reluctant reader, I feel like I, I, you know, I have some sway in this topic. Give us some shorter books, publishers, please. Anyway, yeah. I yeah. must stop banging on about it. But I will say I was listening to um, So You Want to Be a Writer podcast by um, Alison Tate and Valerie Koo, and they interviewed R.A. Spratt, who is the author of Nanny Piggins and Friday Barnes and the recently released Pesky Kids um, and she was also saying that she feels like there's that that sort of 25K heavily illustrated reader that's a gap in the market. And I was like shouting from my soapbox, yes, mm. yes, R.A. Spratt, I agree. So anyway, let's get mm. back to Cameron's book. Um, <laughs> low word count but totally engaging. Yeah. <laughs> well, can I just say also, I, you know, I agree. Um, I think there is there are starting to be a few books in that sort of border line between junior fiction and middle grade fiction and it's not even for the reluctant readers I mean I've got a son who's not a reluctant reader he loves reading but he loves reading short books yes so you know, yes. he loves me reading to him the long books but he loves a short book he doesn't want to pick up something that takes a few days and you know I was a reader uh, like him and but you know I used to go from my you know when I was a teenager I'd read my dad's Tom Clancy I'd read a Mills and Boone so there you go with your barber yes <laughs> And then I'd read like a, a Babysitter's Club or, um, you know, Magic Faraway Tree. So I read anything and everything. And, you know, I often would read a long book and then a short book. And I think yeah. that's, you know, that's a, a good way for kids to go. So I think there needs to be different word counts at different levels, you know, yeah. across the board really with different content levels. You know, I, you know it, it's starting to get there. But, I you know, I volunteer in the school library and, you know, I'm often asked for for books for reluctant readers and I, you know I've got a few teacher friends and they're sort of saying yeah we need more books that are not funny humorous you know but yes for reluctant readers but with a slightly you know higher um, yes level so yeah well yeah you and I can try but anyway yeah <laughs> and I think I will add on a very very side note Pamela and I both tend to write our books less than 40k Mm. So, yeah. yeah, look for them on the shelves one day. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> That's it. There you go. Yeah. So, yes, let's get back to Cameron's Max fabulous Fruit. book. Yes. Book. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, what drew you to this book? Okay. Well, I, as I said, I actually reviewed Stamp Safari for the lovely Romy Sharp of Just Right for Kids. And anyone interested, Just Write for Kids is a wonderful Facebook group that connects like-minded folks who write for the Australian children's market. Romy also runs a books on tour blog that helps to get all the Aussie authors out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, she asked me to do this book in a blog tour and I was so delighted, one, because of the word count and also it was just a fantastic book. So there you go. Hmm. Um, yeah, Romy, Romy does a great job of publicising books. So if, uh, if, you've got yes. a, if you're an author and you've got a book coming out, contact Romy at Just yes. Right Kids. Yeah, yes. She does a great job. Yeah, we give her out. We give the Maven tick of approval. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us more about the book, Julie? Yes. So set in future 2424 in Skyburb 6, a floating city in the sky, we journey with Max and his robot dog on the hunt to discover 
are used for an odd-shaped contraption that has sort of a shiny black film-like material inside it. Max is an escapee from the unclaimed urchin's home on Skyburb 7. His friend Jesse, a sort of curator at the Bloodsville Museum, allows Max and Oscar to live and hide out in an unused packing container. Jesse is extremely overworked trying to discover the origins of scores of items used in times past. Max helps Jesse working for Secret Food and Board. This, is, this particular mystery, Max, Max and Oscar are trying to figure out what the item is and its use when a shady musicology professor steals the cassette tape. They have to find a way to outsmart the shady doctor and turn the item back to the Bloodsville Museum. This is such a unique premise for a series. Max Booth is full of heart and technology, which is presented in a truly endearing way. Um, Cameron McIntosh got his start in educational publishing, I believe, and you can sort of tell that in the fact that each sleuth mission kind of does have a bit of a teaching element to it. But it's done in such a way that kids will not realise in the slightest they are being educated, which, you know, makes it even more the enjoyable. That sounds really good. I think that's something I'm going to have to get for my kids, actually. I think they're going to love that. They're quite... Um... Oh, your boys would love these books. Yeah. Yes. They're quite yes. curious about old, you know, computer equipment that, you know, <laughs> that we've got here yes. and cables that they find and they want to know what to do with it. And I don't even know if they've yes. ever seen a cassette tape. So <laughs> Giselle had never seen a cassette tape. She did not know what on earth I was talking about. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like you really like this book. We loved it. Um, and with Dave Atsy's endearing cover and cool internal illustrations and Cameron's educational yet engaging stories, we believe this is the kind of remedy needed in the middle grade market gap. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so, lower middle grade? Yeah, lower middle grade. Yeah. Um, I'd probably say seven to nine. Um, yeah, if you've got a maybe a ten year old that loves technology that's happy for a quick read, yeah, this will this will totally tick that box. Fantastic. Um <clears throat> so obviously reluctant readers as well would enjoy this book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um and I think um things like graphic novels are really, you know, starting to grab those reluctant readers and I oh, guess, yeah. you know, you know, a heavily illustrated middle grade book is kind of like a graphic novel, not really, but it's it's in that same sort of get their attention, get them reading. And so I think this will do both. Yeah, I look, I agree. Graphic novels are really taking off right now. And, you know, my older son, they're one of his favourite things. Um, so, yeah, anything that's like a graphic novel, yeah. Yeah. Big ticks. Um, I think, yeah, they're just great for kids to just dive into. And it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's its own format. It's becoming its own sort of work of art yeah I suppose um yes and it's got its own um you know place in the bookshop now so yeah we've we've actually pulled all the graphic where I um volunteer in the library we've pulled all the graphic novels out to their own shelf and it wasn't until the end of the school year last year that I realized just how many that they have because they're almost always you know all (laughs) out you know being borrowed so oh wow um, yeah huge huge and they're starting to come out with um graphic novel versions of classic novels as well now. So that's yes. really interesting. So which is very exciting. Yeah, yeah. So to see see authors sort of cleverly, you know, seep into that area and take up that sort of um, fervor. Yeah. It's great. Mm. Well done. And um our little uh 
treat for middle grade mavens listeners, Cameron McIntosh is going to stop by and uh, jump in the middle grade mavens hot seat. So stay tuned. Fantastic. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, that's it for episode 11 of Middle Grade Mavens. See you next time. Here we are at Middle Grade Mavens and a little recap for our listeners. We've recently reviewed Max Booth, Future Sleuth, Tape Escape, which was published in 2018 by Big Sky Publishing. Now, I personally find it fascinating to hear the story of how a book came to be. We thought it would be awesome to invite Cameron into the middle grade Maven's hot seat for some awfully banter. And guess what? He So hi, Cam, and thanks for joining us at Middle Grade Maven. Thank you for having me. It's a treat to be chatting with you, and I love what you're doing with the podcast. It's great to have a dedicated voice championing the uh, middle grade um, world. Yeah. Thank you. Keep it up. Yeah, we're really excited. And of course, we're excited because we get to speak to people like you. So tell us, Cameron, where did you get your start in writing? Um, Well, I took a fairly long way in as I tend to do with these things. But um, in terms of writing professionally, I started my kind of publishing odyssey by doing the RMIT professional writing editing course. And out of that, found work as a proofreader and ultimately an editor, more or less in the hope that being in the editor's chair had opened doors to actually getting my own work, my own writing published. And um, it took a while, but eventually did happen that way. I quit my in-house editing job about 10 years ago and went freelance. And since then I've mostly been writing for primary education, a lot of leveled uh, readers and nonfiction titles for late primary too. Um, but well, Wow. Yeah. Well, while all that's been going on, I've still been working on my own fiction projects and quietly scribbling away after hours. And in 20, yes. 2016, the um, brilliant people at Big Sky Publishing took on my lower lower kind of middle grade sci-fi series, Max Booth, Future Sleuth. Um, so that's been my first foray into trade publishing. And I, I, feel, yeah. I feel quite lucky because... The first Max book was an unsolicited submission, and I know how rare it is for unsolicited manuscripts to get picked up. Um, and it's probably it would have helped that had a bit of a track record with the educational writing, but uh, it's an opening I'll always yeah. be pretty very very grateful for. Uh, and the best thing, was, yeah, and the best thing was that Big Sky wanted to sort of think of it as a series from the word go. So we've now got three books out and a fourth. Uh, in the work, so it's all kind of exciting times. Wow, we're excited to hear there's a fourth in the Thank works, um, <laughs> having now read all three. Oh, wow. So how long did it take you to write the Max Booth, oh, I'm going to trip over that, <laughs> Max Booth, Super Sleuth, Tape Escape, I think it was number That's one. Right, yeah. Or, yeah, how long did it take you and what kind of research do you do for a story? Yeah, well, that one... The first one took quite a lot of writing and rewriting before I felt comfortable sending it out. I think I probably developed it over a three-ish year period, and even though it's only sort of fairly, it's only about twelve thousand words. But um, you know, I got a lot of feedback from my brilliant writing group, and then um, made some further changes after Big Sky accepted it. Uh, they had some thoughts about kind of developing Max's character a bit more and really great suggestions I was happy to run with. Um, yeah. And in terms of research, 
Well, the books in this series, they don't require a huge amount of it because they're set 400 years into the future. So the world of the story is more or less created in my head, embellished from kind of what I imagine it will be like. Um, but what, yes. uh, what does happen in each story is that Max investigates ancient items from our present day. So I do need to do enough research to make sure I'm giving the correct details about the, the items he's looking into because they're the sort of the spark for each story. Yes. Yeah. And I think the thing is like, um, I, cause I, I'm sure I've told you, but I read them with Giselle when I reviewed, um, your other one yeah. and um yeah she really didn't know what a tape was <laughs> so, and even a stamp I was wow. like oh I think you know what a stamp is but <laughs> I haven't yeah. used one for about three years myself or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah and I think also in um I think when you've done a lot of uh potential sort of education publishing um you, you're so limited in the word count and you, like you really st- have to stick to it so uh, I can imagine that actually, you know, makes you super sort of conscious of word counts and, um, you know, not like going over and, you know, waxing lyrical. So it's almost the opposite, isn't it? You know, most writers are like, you know, let's trim 10,000 yep. words, whereas your editors are like, let's add a bit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, that's, yeah, that's kind of an interesting background to bring into this because, yeah, you're so forced to stick with really strict parameters in educational writing so i mean i think they've they yeah. bleed into your unconscious a bit but um and that i think it kind of helps i think it helps me be a bit more concise than i used to be that's for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> so tell us do you have an agent and well, i guess i should wait for the answer but how much do you feel that has influenced your your career today yeah i uh, know i don't have one it's something i've certainly thought about and it's definitely something I'll be looking into for future projects but uh, you know up to this point I haven't need one to actually get published but I know that's only one aspect of the you know the author agent relationship and that manuscripts gain a lot from agent feedback too and their knowledge of specific markets so uh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's definitely something I look forward to exploring down the line though yeah, yeah. Now let's switch gears and move to editing. So how much did you have to endure before the book was ready to go? And I I sort of think about it as, you know, I mean, there's so many steps in the editing process. So it's not unusual that everyone has to endure it. But was there any moment where you were like, I can't stand this anymore. (laughs) Let's just send it off. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think by the time I put it through my poor long-suffering writing group for the third time I think they were uh, it got to the point where I was like I I cannot make this any better or you know this is as good as I can possibly make it so uh, um and then you know well that's you know that's just the editing process before you put it out into the world and um yeah but uh as far as it's gone with you know in in that uh with publisher that was it's been incredibly smooth. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I dealt with some feedback about Max's character. It was mainly that um, he needed just a bit more kind of um, zing and a bit just to ramp up the humour a bit and make it a bit cheekier. So I was I was really glad to address that. That was a lot of fun to kind of bring that out a bit more. And um, it's, yeah, but it sailed through quite smoothly after that. Um, 
Well, I guess you should be pretty good at the commas and the dashes. You don't start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so let's talk book covers. Now, people can say they don't matter, but they do matter to Maven and Julie, <laughs> and they certainly matter to Munchkin Giselle. And we love, love, love this book cover. Um, I think Dave Atsy did the jacket and internal illustrations. Now, were you ecstatic when you saw the finished result? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love the cover too. And then the fact that, um, oh, well, the two that come sincerically is good. But um, Dave's hit the jackpot. We hit the jackpot with Dave. Like, he's an incredibly intuitive artist. I kind of, there were times where I felt like he'd kind of read my mind in a way, like the style, the characters, everything. Yeah. I've been seeing them in my head for so long was getting, you know, bordering on uncanny. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And with, uh, yeah, the tape escape cover, he really managed to capture the characters and their world and their energy in one big kind of hit. It's like they're kind of about to leap off the cover. So, yeah. Lot, yeah, I was thrilled when I saw that. Yeah, well, we're big fans of Dave Atsy after seeing your covers. So, pop that one in my possibly need to have a book covered by Dave Atsy in the future, but yeah. Do anyway. it. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> and so good to work with. Too. Now, now, how do you manage the pressures of the world and still find time to write? Yeah, that's a good question because I've got to constantly try and draw a distinction between the writing I do for or the writing and editing I do for a living with the educational books, which I love, but also need to kind of find time to do my purely creative writing, including the Max books. Um, and I'm also trying to rewrite a YA novel and a grown-up book too, so it's always a bit difficult to fit it all in and, you know, attend to personal hygiene and social life, etc. <laughs> but um, <laughs> lately I've been forcing myself to scribble out a page before crushing into bed, which is can be slightly Ooh. torturous, but it's been a really great way. I just haven't allowed myself to take a single day off and um, it, it's amazing how quickly the word counts build up by going that way. Like last, yeah, I did it for six or seven months last year on with this grown-up book I'm, I've drafted, and yeah, suddenly I found myself with a huge pile of paper and a, a full manuscript, which needs a hell of a lot of work and doubt transcribing. But uh, yeah, I think I'll use that. Yeah, it was yeah, just that sort of three or four hundred words a day. It, as long as you're consistent, it's amazing how it adds up. So, yeah, and I think I've heard it many times. You can't edit a blank page. That's so. a good one. Yeah, that's so yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you personally read widely in the genre and age that you write for? I I do read as widely as I can in the age group, but funnily enough, not so much the genre. I know you're a big sci-fi person, but and yeah, but I'm not. I'm not huge sci-fi fan so I don't read that much of it just between ourselves <laughs> but I do try to read yeah. quite w- widely in the middle grade area particularly at the younger end of middle grade in the action adventure realm so series like yeah. Battle Boy and Zack Power which have well they were both a pretty big inspiration from the Max the feel of the Max series too so there's some yeah and there's so much great stuff being published in Australia at the moment I just wish I could read all day yeah yeah it's an exciting time to now around. what is one middle grade book that you think every child should have the opportunity of reading i know it's an oldie we're talking 80s here but i 
probably have to go with um, Roald Dahl's Boy because of the um, extremely vivid memories it's left me with. I mean, I first read that read that uh, in primary school, and it's a book I still come back to. It's kind of it's got gets a bit dark. It's hilarious. It's occasionally heartbreaking, but he gives so much insight into growing up and dealing with loneliness of the time he spent in boarding schools and um, getting to know himself, probably develop a sense of his place in the world quite, quite young. And I particularly love that you get to see the genesis of stories like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory kind of forming before your eyes through his experiences. So yeah, that's a, wow. We will stick it on our list of must be read. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> now, what? <clears throat> excuse me. What is next in the wings for Cameron Macintosh? Don't keep the mavens in su- suspense. Tell us: is there another book being scrutinised by some wonderful editors as we speak, or perhaps a YA novel? Hang on, weren't you shortlisted for some kind of coveted literary prize? Uh, well, oh well. Let's see. There's, firstly, there's there's more Max Booth coming soon. The the fourth book in the series is all written and it's sort of in the it's in the production pipeline as we speak i don't have a pub date for yet but it'll probably be mid to late this year i'm sure and um yes there is a ya novel um yeah i didn't win win a prize didn't win but it, it was um shortlisted for the ampersand prize which is an absolutely brilliant initiative by um Hardy Grant Egmont for people who haven't had full length YA or middle grade novels published before. And yeah, in 20, 2017, a manuscript I'd been drafting and redrafting for a few millennia caught their interest. And um, although it didn't win, it was an absolutely brilliant experience meeting with the team there and hearing their thoughts on my manuscript. Um, and yeah, thoughts which were like so well considered and I'm currently channeling them into a pretty intensive rewrite at the moment. So, Yeah. Just... It's amazing how much, like, they can love a manuscript but it still needs a lot of work. So, yeah. Well, that's right. I think, yeah, that. I think what stuck out was just the voice. There was some plot problems but, like, um, I'm able to kind of take all that on board and hopefully hold on to the, the things that they liked and, um, just tweak the yeah the structural stuff that wasn't quite working. So uh, yeah. yeah, that's a long long term project. But um, oh, I'm so grateful for that shortlisting because it's really kind of got it got it back on track. So yeah, yeah. So where can we find you online, Cameron Rackintosh? And if our listeners are interested, um, you know they have to find be able to check out your books. Yeah, well I'm. I'm very available at my Facebook page, which is Cameron McIntosh Author. Um, I've also got a website, um, which is uh, it's Cameron E McIntosh, all one word dot com dot au. Uh, and if you go to the website, you'll see links to my uh, Instagram author page as well. Um, uh, in terms of finding the Max Booth books, I'd suggest having a look at the big publishing website where you can find well, yeah, well, they're, they're all on there as well as lots of other great kids and grown up books from a really diverse bunch of writers. Um, and if you're interested, by all wow. ask at your local bookshop. We love our bookshop. Yeah. yeah. Which helps. And I also like to tell people to 
um, request them at their library yes. so that, um, you know, the author gets that much more exposure. So Yeah, that's so, that's so helpful. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Cameron, at Middle Grade Mavens, and we are looking forward to book four in the Max Booth series. It's been a very big pleasure. Thanks, Julie. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. And, uh, yeah, as I said before, I really love what you guys are doing and appreciate the fact that you're waving the flag for middle grade books, especially Aussie ones. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a real yep. treat to be with you. <laughs> Thanks, Cam. What an incredible journey we are on at Middle Grade Mavens. And we can't tell you how chuffed we are you've tuned in once again. In the next episode, Julie reviews The Bland Sisters by Cara LaRue and illustrated by Jen Hill. And Pamela reviews The Wizards of Once by Cressida Cowell. If you'd like to know more about The Mavens, log on to middlegradepodcast.com or to find Julie online, drop by julieangrassobooks.com. And to find Pamela, stop by www.ueckerman.net. And did we happen to mention, if you enjoy The Mavens, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or message us via our Facebook or Insta pages.